Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discover together how to practically live as disciples of Jesus through the application of gospel truth. Welcome to the Deeper Dive, everybody. Welcome to a nice, hot day. Adam, how does it feel to be back on the east side? Oh, man. Are you it's regretting It's so good, but so hot. <laughs> Not regretting it yet, but it's hot. It's like burning your skin hot this weekend a couple times. It is toasty. Yeah, it's called sunburn, Adam. But, but no sunburns, just <laughs> oh, hot. Brooks, this is your first summer here as uh, well. Right? Yeah, I said I wanted the sun when I moved over here. I didn't and realize. You got it. I, oh, man. But if you were still on the west side this last weekend, you would have been roasting. So I don't know if there's anybody on the west side that listens to our podcast. Probably, because we have a very far-reaching audience. Yeah. My mom, you know, and the but... No, I, I saw a map that said like the Seattle, Portland, kind of up, up the I-5 corridor is some of the hottest places in the world mm-hmm. this week. That's crazy. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just like totally not used to it either. No one has AC over there. Nobody has AC. No. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, speaking of uh, how things affect you, uh, even though we are the preachers, we sit under the scripture as well, right? And... It affects us. So how has the teaching on Ecclesiastes these last few weeks, how has it affected you guys? Mm. Do you find it depressing? Do you find it, how, do you, how are you reacting to it yourselves? So I have been uh, surprisingly encouraged by it and challenged by it. Um, so I've, I've kind of joked the last couple of weeks in our different services that um, I, am, I am so surprised. Like I keep hearing this <laughs> phrase that I never thought we would hear People walk into our services that have been here the last couple of weeks, and they go, I am so enjoying Ecclesiastes. And I'm going, man, for, so you've really been here, and yeah, you really are yeah. enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think people are enjoying it um, because it is such a real book. When you talk about how we clamor for wealth or wisdom or uh, you know, last week we were talking about how we work for our work and work becomes a God and all these other things. I mean, Ecclesiastes written you know, thousands of years ago, it is so applicable addressing, you know, the human condition. Mm-hmm. So I've been challenged and I've been encouraged. Um, and I, Dave, I'd say also convicted in yeah. lots of ways walking through this. Well, you know, if, if you have been, if you have been feeling these things about life, whether you're young or you're old, yeah. and you're a Christian, you're like, I, I shouldn't, I should not be thinking this way. Then you come to church and hear a message, and and Solomon or whoever this figure was that wrote it, wrote that book, he's laying out there exactly how you feel. That is so encouraging and validating. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, see if you guys can follow me on this one. I think when we preach like the epistles, like let's say we're preaching, well, we just finished Ephesians right uh, a month ago or so. <clears throat> It's jam-packed with theological truth, and the job of a preacher is to unpack that theological truth and make it applicable to today's day and age. I feel like going through Ecclesiastes, we're reading a pastor or a mm. teacher who has who is unpacking theological truth and applying it to today. Like it's almost like you read it and it's like, man, half the work is done because he's, he's just, this teacher is laying out this the, the reality that is before us. It's almost like when you read it, it's almost like reading a sermon and then, okay, we got to put the, well, in some cases, we got to put some hope and, mm-hmm. <laughs> hope and light into this. But that's why I've enjoyed it because it's like, man, I, I, I am feeling like this is already laid out, um, applicable, uh, un- unpacked scriptural truth for us. Yeah. 
I think it's been, yeah, same for me, really encouraging. The whole, Jason, you kicked it off the first week with life in the box versus life outside the box. And I think it's just been each week me recognizing how much I live in the box. And I came across this quote a few weeks ago by someone that wrote on this book that what Kahelet aims to instill in his students is the ability to receive the pleasures of life as the gift that they are and to recognize God as soul giver. Like I think for me, that's been impressed on me each week of not seeing things as, man, I'm going to take this and gain with this and grow this and make us this and end in itself, but letting God enter into my my perspective and my world more than he is and mm-hmm. receiving things as gifts and things to find joy in. Mm-hmm. So I, it's been, it's been awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I actually was in Richland, Jason, when you preached that message as well. And I, I really like the, the illustration of the box as well. So for today, if we, for what we're going to look at today here at the deeper dive. So if we look at life in the box, which is basically life in time, knowing that man wants to reach out of the box and into eternal into eternity. That's what we're going to play with today. We're going to look at a little bit of the, what, what does it mean to have an eternal perspective? So one of the passages we, we actually looked at last Sunday was this startling statement that God has placed eternity in man's heart. Wow. So what do you think? What on earth does that mean? What, what, is, what is that getting at? Well, I mean, let's come back to the box illustration, right? So if we are, if our life is solely contained in the box, and if if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. What we're saying is, is that in this life, the way that Kohelet describes it is life under the sun, life um, absent of God, not even considering Him. All that we have in this life is all that we can observe. We can look pat in the past. We can look around in nature. We can we can dig into science. We can we can do this, but we can only do it in the world that we live in mm-hmm. and the world that other people have lived in in the past if they've captured that historically. It doesn't help us to understand the deep questions that we have. Who am I and what am I here for? What is life all about? Is there anything beyond this life, beyond the box, beyond the sun? And so when we talk about a temporary life, Dave, really, if you think about it, it's life within the box. I exist solely in this box, exclusively in this box, and only in this box. Life goes on in the box, and then I die, end up myself in a box, in this Mm -hmm. much larger box, Mm -hmm. and that's it. And so um, that's what we talk about when we talk about the temporary life. Just this fleeting moment, these 72 and a half years that we spend on planet Earth. Yeah, Yeah, and God's eternal, and He made us to have an eternal life with Him. So the life that we live... 72 and a half is, it's not the way it was designed. It was a product of the fall. And so because we still have the image of God and still are created by this eternal God, we have this longing for him, a relationship with him. And I think life with him beyond the sun. And I, you know, St. Augustine in the fifth century wrote this. And I think it's really fitting. He says, Lord, you've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Mm-hmm. Just whether you're a Christian or whether you hate Christianity or anywhere in between, all of us have at least one thing in common that we are restless under the sun until we find that rest in God, which is something that is beyond the 72 and a half years and something that's more life-giving than mm. really any relationship we can have mm-hmm. here or anything, any endeavor that we we chase after. Okay. So, Yeah, I think it is, uh, the reality is, is that everybody on this earth has an eternal perspective in one way or the other where um, they might not have it in the way that we're going to dive into in just a second, but the, everyone everyone thinks about life after death, 
right? Everyone thinks about what happens after they die. You don't have to teach someone to think about that. It just comes up. Um, and that's what your worldview is based around. I mean, that, that your decisions or your, your opinions about what happens after death largely shape your worldview or, or your worldview shapes that. So everyone is thinking about eternity in one way, shape, or form, right? It's what happens after I die. And are we the only people here? Um, I guess this is probably totally going off script, but you know, there's like, have you guys followed the whole thing with the UFOs, the FBI or the CIA, whatever, unclassified? Call them UAPs. Yeah, something, now. aerial phenomenon, whatever. Yes, unidentified aerial phenomena. You see, I think that's, I think why certain people are so captivated by that is because the question just is like lingering in us. Like, are we the only ones here? Or is there anything else out in the universe? What it, It's kind of in our being of to, to wonder, are we created with a purpose? Is our, is our planet unique? Is there anything else out there? What happens after I die? I think all these questions are kind of living with eternity in mind. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Fox Mulder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> X-Files. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, different, different generation here. Yeah, exactly. Nobody what's, knows what I'm talking about. What's the X-Files? I'm sitting here making jokes to myself. Right. Well, you know, we talk about perspective, Dave, even in how we're interpreting um, the church and culture right now. And one of the, I've, I've heard you use this illustration that it's difficult to get the bigger picture of things if we're only looking through a keyhole. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about like, man, if you have a keyhole perspective and you're, you know, you're one eye peering through this little tiny keyhole and there's a party that's going on on the other side or whatever it is that's going on on the other side. Your perspective is so incredible, incredibly limited be, because of that perspective. And so our our temporary perspective is exactly that. It is a keyhole into, I mean, just a, a vast universe. And I would say even into the vastness that is God himself. Right? So we've seen that God has placed eternity in all men's hearts. But for those of us who know Christ, you know, we have eternal life inside of us, Right. So we, having eternal life, are supposed to have an eternal perspective on all things in life. I mean, you know, we've all heard people say that in churches. We've heard teachers say that. So what, what exactly does it mean to have an eternal perspective? Yeah. Um, I mean, eternal perspective, what we're talking about is it is a way of interpreting really all of life from a different vantage point, right? It's if we're locked into kind of looking at life through the keyhole, this is like looking at life with a door wide open or with like a wide angle lens. And it's the way that we look at all of our life, even personally, like all of my life. So I am now from my eternal perspective that I get from the Lord, I'm able to see pain that I'm going through or pleasure that you enjoy or a purpose in your life as part of a much larger story, which is the redemptive story of God that he is orchestrating in history. Yeah, and Kohelet didn't have the perspective that we have now. So if you read even beyond chapter three, he's he asked the question, or at the end of chapter three, who knows whether man goes up or down? Like, what, what is the, the end of man? But we live on this side of the cross and the resurrection where Jesus has opened up eternity for us through him. And so it's, I think, looking at life through that lens of Jesus's resurrection from the dead and his entrance into the new creation. And I was thinking about Paul. He points us in this way so many times, like Colossians 3, he says, since you have already been raised with Christ, because Christ, you're united to him, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It's this, you're setting your mind, not just above earth and not caring about the the earth and your life, but it's letting your life in heaven impact your life here. 
and it's yeah, this isn't all there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Romans Romans eight eighteen that uh, I do not consider the sufferings of this present time even worth comparing hmm. to the glory that's to be revealed to us. Yeah, uh, Randy Alcorn, uh, an author from speaking of another generation, from another generation, from my generation, but he wrote a book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity, hmm. and that was his whole thing. It was it was trying to open the, um, like you said, uh, Jason, go from the keyhole to opening up the door. Because there's nothing more common than just spending money, right? We spend money every day. Mm. But there is a way of using our money, of spending our money, of saving our money, of investing our money mm-hmm. in such a way that it really um, it can impact our eternity. That's just yeah. in, in, an amazing thing. You know, I think, at least the way that I read the scripture at the very beginning of the Bible, I see God doing this with Adam and Eve. Like he gives them the cultural mandate to go and, you know, have children, to multiply. Right, to build, to garden, but then he sets right in front of them not just the knowledge of the, the, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, but also the tree of life. And mm-hmm. that tree shows up again in Revelation. It's sort of this, it's this thing in front of them that says, you are moving towards something eternal. Like, I'm giving you these tasks, and they're good, and I want you to do them, but always with an eye to more, like, an eternal consummated life with me. And so even with them, he's he knows as humans, even pre-fallen, to keep their eyes in the right place. And so it's not, it's, it changes after the fall. It's probably harder. Well, definitely it's harder than it was pre-fall, but I think it's something that's even from the beginning. So there is a price to be paid if we do not live life from an eternal perspective. We're starting to pick that up from the book of Ecclesiastes. So what are, what are some of the practical effects of living a life inside the box with only a temporal perspective? The first thing that comes to mind it, well, look at Ecclesiastes points to it, right? That, that if you live for all of these things without without any sort of heavenly perspective, internal or eternal perspective, um, <clears throat> you're just going to end up with hevel. It's just gonna. It's all ungraspable, ununderstandable, fleeting vapor. Um, but the other thing that comes to mind is, uh, I think, a very clearly uh, what this is laid out for us in, in is the parable of the uh, prodigal son Luke 15 I think Jesus is kind of giving us an illustration of what it looks like to live with a temporal um, to chase temporal satisfaction this son took everything he had and he lived for immediate joy satisfaction pleasure right in front of him and what did he end up with he ended up in the in the pigsty I, I think that 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 could be one um, illustration that Jesus laid out. Says, this is what it looks like to live for the here and now, temporal. This is mm-hmm. <laughs> perhaps that that son uh, realized what Hevel was. Yeah. Remember when you were thinking, talking, Brooks, remind me of Esau. Remember he came in, he'd been hunting, came home, he's starving to death. And uh, Jacob has some stew out there. He's like, man, give me some of that stew, you know? And of course, you know, Jacob ripped him off, sold him his birthright for mm-hmm. a bowl of stew. Mm-hmm. But really, I think that, you know, that, that okay, granted, that was a bad thing that Jacob did. But for Esau, for him to treat his birthright, sell it for mm-hmm. a bowl of stew, mm-hmm. is like, you've got to be kidding me. That is a mm-hmm. temporal perspective. All he cared yeah. about was his, was his appetite at the moment. Well, and yeah. Jacob too, man, equally, he, he so badly wants his earthly birthright that he sells away his relationship with his brother. Yes. Right? And this integrity with his father for this, you know, inheritance mm-hmm. that his brother's getting. 
Mm-hmm. And it's, it's short separation in the whole family yeah. for decades. Yeah. 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 I heard Andy Stanley one time referring to both of those stories. And he said, he asked the question, he said, who in their right mind sells their birthright or sells their family, you know, for something so insignificant? Mm-hmm. And his answer to the question is, we do. We do. Yeah. Right. No joke. We do it yeah. all the time. And oftentimes we do it every single day. Yeah. We sell. I mean, we trade, we trade away, away eternal significance for temporary yeah. things constantly. Yeah. And that, yeah, that, that is exactly what every sin is. It is looking at the pleasures in front of us and saying, this is more enjoyable than the pleasure of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We lower the bar. Yeah. If, if every human has eternity in their hearts, we're all looking for something that completes us, something significant, something that gives us meaning. If we have an eternal perspective that's tuned to God, we're looking for something that really will give us that. But if not, we sort of we settle for things on the earth, and when instead of them being things to you know receive and have joy in, they become in them, ends in themselves, and we worship them, and we get trapped in the box, mm-hmm. and we, yeah, we settle for something less than we were created for. So how, <clears throat> pardon me, how on a daily basis then, how do we put on that eternal perspective? Because, you know, we all get caught up, you know, in the daily. We get up in the morning, it's like, oh, my gosh, get the kids off, get to work, do my thing. I got pressures. How do you maintain an actual, an eternal perspective when you're stuck right here in time? You know, it's hard because we're living in the moment and we're living out our story. Hmm. And I think it is a rare person that stops and actually interprets their story. Because I, I do think that we don't even stop. I think we just get through the day. We get stuck in the mundane, and we don't come up. If we're talking about a perspective, like if your head is down and you're just plowing ahead, right? It's Monday, and you're you're going through your Monday routine. If you don't come up a level and actually think about the fact that no, I'm I'm within this story. God is at work in all of my circumstances. One, I'm going to miss it. Is one thing that we do. The other thing is that we look back on our our days, if you even do sit back and pause, and we sometimes misinterpret our stories. Mm-hmm. That's what an eternal perspective actually gives us. It gives us a way of seeing clearly yeah. what is what actually matters and what actually is going on. Yeah, and to go back to something we've talked about a lot recently, the one percent challenge, like reading reading your Bible. You're you're we all are constructing our perspective and worldview all the time. And if we are like starting our day and throughout our day opening in God's word, we are inviting a voice outside of ourself and an authority outside of ourself to stir us and shake us up a little bit and comfort us in ways that if we don't open the Bible and we're just waking up, going and doing our day and we're never stopping to, to let God speak, then we're going we're gonna to be the ones that dictate reality for ourselves. All right, then. So what are some of the scriptures that actually teach us to have an eternal perspective? And the first one that comes to my mind um, is in Philippians, uh, uh, Philippians, uh, Paul's writing, uh, and I, th- I really think he's actually writing about his eternal perspective. Philippians 1, 20 and 21 says, uh, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, uh, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And then verse 21, this famous verse says, uh, for to me to live is Christ and die is gain. Mm-hmm. What I see there is he, he's painting a picture of his life that his eager expectation and hope, the greatest hope and desire is that he would be he would be able to honor, which is really just praise Jesus in his life. And so much so that like, okay, whether I live 
I'm going to praise Christ, whether I die, that's going to be gain. I mean, he, he's viewing everything, he's viewing his life as with this incredible purpose to bring honor and praise to his father, to mm-hmm. his savior, <clears throat> so much so that, man, if I leave here, that's just gain because I mm-hmm. get to be with him. If I'm here, well, then I'm going to live as as to Christ. And uh, I think that's really the mantra that Paul is is living his life through. Well, I mean, that's the whole of Philippians. So Paul, he sees no contradiction between this restlessness about the future and his contentedness in the present. And in chapter three, this is where I thought you are going, Brooks. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he's not locked into the box, meaning his now, he's not locked into the past. He is, I mean, he is driving towards the present. And I mean, I think we all know this, like there is a, there's a restlessness in the now and there's a longing that we have for the not yet that is coming. I think of uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, for this light momentary affliction yeah. is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, mm. but to the things that are unseen. Mm. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Mm. We talk about, you know, uh, God speaking to us in the in the box while we're in, you know, just all kinds of pain, whether it's physical, emotional, you know, relational, whatever. And this brings meaning to our suffering and from an eternal perspective it is it is short i know to us it feels like it's long like it's been going on forever hmm. but not compared to eternity yeah and i mean dave that passage that you just read what paul is revealing is that he he developed this perspective by honing his his eternal perspective like his his spiritual sight he wasn't looking to the things that are seen but he is intentionally you know this this kind of turn and looking at the things that are that are unseen. So there's some intentionality to that, and I think also when you consider all of Paul's writings, there's tremendous growth that we see. Um, you know, you even look at like a younger Paul writing versus an older Paul that's writing. Like his his final book, Second Timothy, right? He, I mean, the guy is so focused on eternity, and he is mm-hmm. giving away what matters most to his young protege. Protege Timothy, you know? So that's cool, Jason, because what you're saying is if we don't have this, we can develop it. We can grow into this. We can actually learn how to gain an eternal perspective no matter what's going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. I think Jesus teaches that even in the the Lord's Prayer when they ask him, How should we pray? And he starts, Our Father in heaven, your name is hallowed, and your will be done, and your kingdom come. Like it's this, it's forcing us to look up to remember and to relate to the God who made us and has a relationship with us and to keep ourselves fixed there. And I think Jesus did the same thing. He's, he's like, I didn't come to do my own will, but to do the will of my father. It's my food. It's he's living with this. Like he's fully present in the moment um, so much so that he can be crucified for us, but he's always tethered and pushed up beyond just the present moment to the father and his will and and where he's taking to the point where he could rebuke Peter when Peter said, Lord, Look, these bad things are not going to happen to you. I remember what Jesus said to him. Yeah, get behind get me, Satan. Yeah, get yeah. behind me, Satan. Because you're not looking at things from an eternal perspective. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I would. Uh, I I, th- I think this is so crucial to our uh, Christian walk because 
uh, when we approach our faith and when we approach our teachings and how we interact with scripture and how, and, and when we engage in scripture, um, there are, I would say there are voices in the Christian community that would want us to focus on the here and now so that, okay, here is follow follow the Lord so that you can get here and now blessings. What we see in scripture is very, very clear that, um, the, yeah, there are blessings in this life and uh, things are rewards in and of themselves, but we should have an eternal perspective that everything, all the blessings we have in this life, anything good in this life comes by the hand of God. And that is, we don't live for now. We don't live for today. We live with an eternal perspective, knowing what it, what what is it going to look like a thousand years, 2,000 years, 10,000 years from now? Where are you going to be? Um, those things far outweigh the here and now. Hmm. Well, guys, I felt like this has been really profitable. Um, I, th- I suggest we go for part two, part two on uh, gaining a, an eternal perspective. Next week, why don't we look at it, uh, zeroing in on some some real specifics, gaining maybe gaining an eternal perspective on, on say, money and possessions, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week. Listen in next week as we continue to encourage each other to practically follow Jesus through the application of gospel truth. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so, because we'd love to continue to dive into God's Word with you. We'd also love to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you'll see all sorts of ways to connect, serve, and worship with our church body. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends by word of mouth or on social media. Have a blessed week.